Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and have the awesome privilege of being the host of this podcast. I say it all the time, but this it really is one of the very most fun things I get to do. And so as always, I am so glad that you chose to join us today. Here at Deeper Still, we're all about cutting through the chaotic and the mundane to pay attention to what God is doing, what He's doing in our lives, what He's doing in the world around us, and how He calls us to go deeper still in relationship with Him and with one another. This is the second episode of season three of Deeper Still, where we are beginning a conversation on the book of Ephesians. Now, I know so many of you who listen, you are busy, you're juggling a lot of plates, you are balancing work and life and family, you're commuting, you're traveling, Um, but time in the Word is important to you. You want to engage God through the scriptures as a healthy habit or rhythm in your life, or or maybe for some of you, uh, you want to dip your toe into the Bible for the first time, and we know that you don't always have time to just sit down and do that, and so this format, this podcast, uh, that's one of the reasons reasons that we do what we do is because we want to give you an opportunity to maybe have a new way to engage God's Word, and so that's what we're doing today, um, talking about healthy habits and rhythms. If you didn't have a chance to listen to episode one, where I interview the dashing and wise Eric Camfield, uh, he and I talk about what it looks like to develop some healthy and good habits, especially as we start out the year. And some of those uh, were around reading scripture. And so I'd encourage you, if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, go back and take a listen. And it might encourage you even a little further to continue this conversation on the book of Ephesians with us as we go. I also want to give a shout out to any of our groups from the Well Community Bible Study who are listening in today as part of their weekly Bible study, as part of the study on the book of Ephesians that they are walking through. It's so good to have you ladies here um, listening along with us. Before we get started today, I just want to give you a quick picture of where we're headed because we're going to um, start out doing just a quick overview of what the book of Ephesians is all about. Uh, We're going to talk about the context and why the context is important, and then we're going to dig into that first chapter of Ephesians, specifically pulling out some highlights from verses 3 through 14 that talk about our identity that talk about who we are as Christ followers and the good things that God is doing and has done for us. And I can't think of a better way to start. Now, anytime I say we, uh, I don't mean just me because I have someone here in the studio with me that is helping guide us through this conversation. And when I say we today, I mean my dear friend and one of the co-hosts of the Deeper Still podcast, Chris Stevenson. If you've already been listening to Deeper Still for a while, you already know and love Chris. Uh, But if you're new to the podcast, I just want you to know that uh, Chris is an amazing ministry partner. She's an amazing woman of God. She volunteers her time in so many different ways uh, in the life of our church here, but also in her community. She is a Bible study leader and teacher here. She's a mentor in our youth group. She's a former school teacher. She's a mom to three kids who are high school, college, and uh, one who's out there adulting. So as you listen, if you have questions about that or thinking things about that, I know Chris will be able to chime in there as well. But the reason we love having Chris here, the reason I love having her here above all is she is passionate about the Word of God and she's passionate about helping others understand and inviting them into the bigger story that God calls us to as a person who is just on the journey with you. She's on the journey with me and uh, she is a fabulous conversation partner and uh, I just love having her here in the studio with me so much and you'll get to hear her voice in the weeks to come as we walk through the book of Ephesians. So uh, I think that's enough for now. With no further ado, uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just saddle up, settle in, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one if you can and join the conversation as we go deeper still. Well, Chris, 
Welcome, my friend. It's been a long time since I've gotten to say that to you here. I know. I was trying to think. I was going to take the time to go back in my phone. It was sometime last spring, I'm, I think, when we did James, right? Yes. Because we didn't do anything this fall. And it's so funny because just when you were doing that, I was I was like waiting for the deeper still music to like <laughs> kind of was going through my head. I'm like, wait, where is it? But yeah, it's it's been a hot second since we've been been in the booth. But I'm so excited to be back here and uh, jumping into Ephesians. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. And it was funny as I was writing the intro uh, for this again because we haven't done this together for a little while. I was thinking I need to start calling you uh, the co-founder of Deeper Still because <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, well, it's. It's not. It's funny, and it's not funny because I was thinking back to the very first time that we did this, and just uh, you know, it's it's part of what we're going to talk about today. It's this reminder of God's goodness and His sovereignty and how He works ahead of us in so many ways. Because when we started this, uh, I you were going to teach live here in a Bible study for the very first time, and it was quaking in my boots about that. I might add. <laughs> And quaking in your boots, as we all are, especially the first time. I feel like I still quake in my boots every single week. But, um, you know, it was your first time doing that. And uh, I think, you know, and that was March 2020. And so the world was, you know, you were on the schedule, the world shut down, and you were my very first person. And I, I at the time, I was just thinking... I have to figure out how to finish out. We were studying the book of Nehemiah. You know, we we're like, oh, we're going to be shut down for you know a few weeks. We'll miss. How do we do this? What do we do? And um, and you were on my list, and so in you came. And who knew then that this would start this several year journey of just this awesome ministry opportunity and this new way as we find it together? But I just thought that was so cool how God Ugh. did that because yeah. I don't know why I would have just thought otherwise. Like Chris, come in here and podcast with me. Um, but God knew he wanted to use your gifts in this way. I just, I, I love that story and I, I love how God has used you. Oh, well, thank you. And I just think, and we have talked about this so many times, but when I look back on these two years, truly one of the great joys mm-hmm. has been preparing for and then entering into this process of, of doing this and and not only has it been a joy and fun for us, but you know we have heard some cool stories from people who are like, wow, that helped me feel connected. And so it ties in perfectly with this idea of what God has planned for us before we we have no clue. Yes. No clue. I was I remember sitting in a hotel room the last weekend of February, nervously starting to do research on, on Nehemiah and thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And God knew. God knew. He's like, oh, I'm not going to make you get up and look pretty in front of a bunch of people. You can sit in a booth with headphones on and chat with one of your good friends. Like, much better. Thank you, God. <laughs> well, and I love it because you have the greatest athletic wardrobe of like anyone I know. And so how fun that you get to wear those awesome athletic Absolutely. clothes that you might have not gotten to wear in person. I, you probably could have. I could have. I would have been pushing the boundaries, but... <laughs> I love it. Well, and hopefully that's an encouragement to other people who are listening out there who, you know, so often we're in that place of, I know I've been there many times in my life where we just think, I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, you know, am I making a difference? And and you just never know. And that's part of what we say here at Deeper Still. You got to pay attention because yeah. you just never know the opportunities that God has for you that you haven't thought of. And then your part, you just have to have the courage to say yes and step into it. And yeah. Watch what God does. It's so beautiful. And yeah, that what is it? He he's better than anything we can better better than anything we can ask or imagine is how God works with us. And I don't think we would have asked for what happened in these last few years, but I also don't think we could have imagined how he would yes. use it in a really miraculous way too. Absolutely. Well hopefully we're telling that story for years to come because we're doing this for years I to come. And so. People are gonna get so tired of us saying it, but <laughs> it's just a good reminder to God's um, goodness. Um, well, my friend, you and I have quite the task before us today. I think um, I didn't quite expect when I said, hey, let's do the book of Ephesians. And I've read Ephesians and I've been in the book of Ephesians. I've studied it before, but just trying to walk through some of these really meaty verses. I did not know the task that uh, would lie before us today in Ephesians chapter one. And so uh, I think you know, and I know we can both attest to that there is more in this than uh, we can possibly ever have the time to cover. And so we're going to scratch the surface on a few things. We're going to hopefully whet the appetites of our listeners and 
you know, for some of people who can't take a deep dive into a study right now, hopefully this is uh, gets us in a good place of just having a little bit of an understanding of what Ephesians is all about and some of the truths that uh, God wants us to know from his word. Um, so the first thing I want to say as we start the book of Ephesians, and Chris, feel free to jump in at any time here, is, you know, uh, you and I are both passionate about the word. We're, we're, we're passionate about being good students students of the word. In any class I teach, I always say, we want to be good students of the word. And there are ways to do that. And there are ways to be bad students of the word, honestly. And so I always say, if we want to be good students of the Bible, we really have to have a handle on the context. Anytime we approach a book of the Bible, we have to know the context of what we're reading, uh, who was writing the book, who they were writing to, uh, what was happening in the world around them. And then always, always, I want us to remember how that piece, that one little piece of the Bible, there's 66 books in the Bible, how that one little Bible or uh, book of the Bible or scripture verse fits into the larger story that God has been weaving throughout time from Genesis to Revelation before the foundation of the world, as we're going to talk about today, that God was weaving the story together. And we always want to say, how does this fit in with the larger story? And so that's where we're going to start. And that's what we're going to do. You look like you were about to say something. Do you want to jump in there? I was just going to agree with you. And then I, I love that reminder that um, I, this, this same word of God, like this letter that was written to the people of Ephesians nearly to, well, what year is it? 2022? Yes. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> Just do the math on that. But almost 2000 years ago, this letter that was re- written to them in that time, in that place speaks to us now as well, just as every other book of the Bible does. And so we learn that context and that's important to understand. And then we look at it and have just the that mystery that God has given us of how something that was written to that little town in Asia Minor, not so little town in Asia Minor, 2,000 years ago, that here in the western suburbs of Chicago, wherever you're listening, has relevance and speaks to us today. And that just always kind of boggles my mind. And it happens every time, no matter what every book time. of the script, no matter yeah. what scripture Nehemiah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I'm always amazed. God is so good. I totally agree. That's a good word. Uh, well, let's start there then. Let's give people a little bit of a picture of, of what the book of Ephesians is all about. So the first thing that's um, important to know about the book of Ephesians is, um, well, it's a letter. So we hear this word epistle in the New Testament a lot. And uh, for those of you who have been around a while, we know that word epistle. Maybe that sounds fancy, but it just is another word um, for letter. And so uh, anytime throughout the New Testament that we hear the word epistle, we know that we're just talking about a letter that someone wrote to another group of people because they loved them and had something important they wanted to say, just like if you or I were to write a note or a letter to someone. So uh, that's what the book of Ephesians is all about. It was a letter written to a group of people that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but it was a letter written by uh, the Apostle Paul, who is actually the writer of 13 of the 27 books of our New Testament. That's a lot. He's one of the most influential voices, uh, not only then, but he still continues to be in our church, in our world, uh, just today, and in our faith life. And, uh, you know, when we think back to Paul's story of transformation, we just remember that he was once, but went by the name of Saul. And, um, he was just <laughs> not a good guy in the world of uh, the New Testament. In fact, um, not only did he oppose Jesus, not only did he, re- he reject who Jesus was, but in the life of the early church, he went around and um, hunted down and arrested and even killed uh, some of the earlier followers of Christ. And so that's something to just tuck in the back of your mind as we uh, read not only Ephesians, but as we study any book that Paul wrote, I think his story of trans transformation uh, just reminds us that no one is too far gone uh, for the story of God to enter their life. And so um, remember that today as well. But one day, uh, Paul has a, Saul, I should say, has an encounter with a resurrected Christ, and it changes his life forever. And he becomes Paul, the apostle, who, like I said, goes on to be one of the most influential voices in our faith today. I'm going to jump in there for one second because I just read this little tidbit. His name is Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He's he's a Jew through and through and was most likely named after Saul, as in King Saul from the Old Testament, first king, anointed king of Israel, big guy, big ego, big story. When his name changes to Paul... That Paul means small in in this context. So he his 
his identity in Christ becomes just turned on its head in the most remarkable way. And as we get into this and find out that that's, that's the story that he's telling the people of Ephesians, the people of Asia Minor, and the people who will read it ever after, his identity was flipped on its head mm-hmm. to the very core of his being. And I just think that that's uh, really cool. Just the little word picture either of going identifying as this king to submitting himself to the, his identity in Christ. So good. So good. And the fact that his name means small, like we don't really, it's funny you say that because I read that somewhere and I thought, oh, I've never really heard that before. I don't think it's something we really talk about, but it it is just that juxtaposition is really a beautiful thing. And once again, a good reminder of who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things I think about Paul's journey is that um, God put a very specific calling in his life to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So as Chris said, uh, Paul was Jewish. Um, and there is a story earlier in Acts where Peter is actually the first one to um, take the message of Christ to the first converts who were Gentiles. And Gentiles just meaning people who uh, were not Jewish, but not only people who were not Jewish, but that that people that the the um, covenant people of God, the people that God set apart early on in the New Testament, um, they were God's chosen people, and they lived like that, and and that's a good thing. That's part of the story. But where that gets to be a problem is then when the Jewish people um, start seeing others as less than them, and that carries on well into the New Testament when they don't even want to sit at the same table uh, with the. Gentiles because are non-Jewish people because uh, they just they had different rituals and different traditions, but they were not welcome. And that's also part of Paul's story that he then is taking the gospel to a group of people that previously were not included in God's story. And that's also part of um, the book of Ephesians. And so that's just another thing uh, to keep in mind. But um, Paul is committed to this mission. And so about 25 years after he meets the resurrected Christ, Christ, uh, I shouldn't say 25, that's about 25 years after is when he writes the letter of Ephesians, but part of Paul's ministry and his journey is traveling around and, and spreading the gospel, and and that's exactly what he does. And so one part of uh, one of his journeys that he does, he winds up in the city of Ephesus, and we're going to talk about Ephesus in just a minute. He goes there, he starts preaching and teaching to um, not only build up uh, the believers there, but there weren't a lot of believers, um, but he he reaches out to the Gentiles and starts to convert them to Christianity, which is a pretty remarkable thing considering the culture that that they lived in. And so um, Paul just has this amazing story again, this amazing journey. And he, he writes this letter actually when he's imprisoned in Rome uh, a long time after he met Jesus, about 25 years later. And he writes this letter back to the people in and around Ephesus as a way to encourage them in who they are in Christ. And so let's just talk a little bit about Ephesus to give a little more context. But Chris, I'm going to give you an opportunity to jump in on any of that. If there's anything that you heard or uh, anything you want to add. You know, I think, um, again, thinking about who Paul was, I mean, he was Jewish. He was not just Jewish. He was trained as a rabbi under one of the most famous rabbis. Their whole mission was keeping the law, that Old Testament law that had defined them as a distinct chosen people by God. And here he is writing these letters. I mean, not just Ephesians, most of what Paul, if not all of what Paul writes in the New Testament are letters, many of which are to Gentiles, these people that he'd spent his whole life almost building a fence around the Jewish community of their separateness and their specialness with God. And now, because of that encounter with the risen Lord, he's out there telling them, inviting them in, showing them how to invite in others that have been chosen not by Paul, not because Paul is like, oh, I think you're good enough now, but he is going to tell us that they have been chosen since before the beginning of time to be part of this great mysterious mm-hmm. salvation plan. And I just, I, when I think about who he was and that his ministry then reaches out to these people that he'd spent his life learning how to basically draw a, a line between us and them 
it just is remarkable. Remarkable. And a reminder that that's what Jesus came to do, right? He turned everything on its head. He created a new uh, kingdom on this earth, and everything was different than people thought it had always been. And it's just, yeah, like you said, a, a, just an amazing reminder of who God is and what he does in the lives of his people. Um, well, real quick, let's just give the context of Ephesus, and then we're going to dive into um, chapter 1. But uh, it's important to know the context that he's writing into also because the, the city of Ephesus is um, it's, it's just this wild context to be trying to minister uh, to people and convert people uh, to the gospel. It's an enormous city. It's the fourth or five largest city in the world at the time. And it has all these surrounding villages that uh, fed into it. So it wouldn't be unlike uh, we're sitting here, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago. Chicago is a major metropolitan city uh, and we are in the suburbs. And so it wouldn't be unlike uh, what we find today. And so uh, Ephesus was a mecca for culture, for travel, for business, for entertainment, um, and also just for pagan worship, right? They weren't following the Hebrew God. That was kind of a very foreign concept at the time. And so there were all kinds of different gods that they were worshiping. They were worshiping Caesar. Caesar was their God at the time. And so um, they weren't even remotely um, Christian there. There was uh, one of the uh, tour, I, I was going to say tourist markers. That's I, I, Maybe that's the right thing to say. I don't know. One of the markers, the cultural markers in the city uh, was a temple of the goddess Diana, or in Greek it's Artemis, uh, that was one of the seven wonders of the world. And so that's what they were focused on. That's what they were worshiping. The whole culture rotated around um, sex, greed, politics, materialism, idolatry, um, you name it. Sometimes not that far off of... <laughs> How we feel about life today. Yeah, it's one of those things that I was listening to a teaching by Brian Chappelle on this. And he was saying, you know, if anybody first look, you go, oh, Ephesians, you know, Asia Minor, Turkey 2000 years ago, what could it possibly have to say to us? What could we have in common? And then you go through that list. And like, is our society not pluralistic? Is it not materialistic? And is there not sex and idolatry and all those things? And are we not also faced with that question of, of what and who are we going to worship? Mm. And, you know, the, the Christian, the, and again, these are baby Christians. I always think that's the other thing to remember. They have, they have the Old Testament, some of them, and, and Gentile believers, who knows how much of that they had. And then they had these letters from Paul. That's what they're learning from and word of mouth teaching. And so there's this little minority in this overwhelming culture. And again, how often do we maybe feel like a, a minority in overwhelming culture, and they're proclaiming Jesus as Lord, while the culture around them is saying Caesar is Lord, or Diana is goddess, or money is king, or whatever. And so, like, they, this has stuff to say to us, you mm -hmm. know, about, again, back to the, who do we worship? Where is our identity? Because people are going to worship something. We all worship something. I think, yeah. isn't there like some old, uh, I feel like there's all like a Rolling Stone song or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but this distinct minority had chosen to say Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And presumably most of the people within the sound of this podcast have chosen to say that. And Paul's words are an encouragement for how you anchor yourself in that and live into that and live out of that too. Absolutely. Uh, one of the more encouraging stories I found uh, in this, so you can read a lot about Paul's time in Ephesus. He spent about three years there uh, building up the church before he went back to Rome. And um, it's in Acts 19. You can read through some of that. But there's a little vignette in there that I don't think I ever really caught before. But uh, Paul, you know, Paul just has this personality that's just like direct and bold and passionate and courageous. And you think, I guess he had to be, but he was also really... I mean, he believed in what he was doing. It's also the the power of God within him that that allowed him to do this. But there was a point uh, where he had been preaching and teaching, and uh, a lot of the people who were practicing sorcery and and worshiping those other gods came in and basically had a book burning party. They brought they brought <laughs> all of their uh, all of their magician books and sorcery stuff and laid it down at his feet, and they just burned all the stuff and said, "Now we want to follow God." Yeah. And I thought, "Oh, how did I miss that story? Yeah. What a what a beautiful." picture of who people are, are choosing to follow. Yeah. And that when you proclaim that truth and somebody's heart is open and God has has chosen for them to hear it, they're gonna they're gonna hear it. But Paul had to say it. Yeah. Somebody had to stand in that 
town square or outside the temple of Artemis or whatever and proclaim that Jesus was Lord. And Paul had the boldness to do that. Yeah, gutsy, gutsy. Yeah. Good for him. Um, <laughs> good for him. Um, the other real, the other important distinction I want to make before we dig into the text is, is the unique thing about the book of Ephesians is that it was a um, general letter written to uh, different house churches and and different um, believers who were out throughout that whole region of Asia Minor. And so difference being, uh, Paul wrote, as Chris said, a lot of uh, letters in the New Testament, and a lot of them were written to very specific churches for very specific reasons to address a very specific problem. So for example, he wrote in uh, 1 Corinthians to the church of Corinth. They were having a lot of division within the church. And so he wrote a letter to specifically address the specific division that they were having. And and as we read that now, it doesn't mean that we can't draw good truths from it. It doesn't mean that we're not reminded of who God is in the midst of that and and all of those things. But we get in trouble. Again, it's good Bible students here. Sometimes we get in trouble when we try to take one of those very specific circumstances that we read, and maybe we read a verse or a couple lines, I think of like women wearing head coverings, for example, is one that just pops to mind. Uh, uh, Paul addresses that in a very specific way for a very specific reason. So if now today, 2000 years later, we try to apply that to our context, it doesn't quite translate. And I think sometimes when we try to apply it, that's where we get into all kinds of trouble. And there's a lot of different theology and there's probably people that may you know disagree with some of what I'm saying right now but I think the thing that's really um, important to keep in mind is the book of Ephesians was not written that way so it is this general more timeless letter that's focused on who Christ is and how we live uh, not only as individuals but as a church and wasn't really addressing a very specific problem so I just want to throw that out just so that we understand that's a little bit of a nuance and a little bit of difference and what makes um, Ephesians unique. Yeah, well, and I think that that, yeah, that kind of universality of it is probably not quite the right word to use, but we don't have to sift through as much of the kind of descriptive things that happen in some of the other letters when he's speaking to specific people in specific circumstances. This is... All, I mean, the whole Bible is for all of us, but Ephesians makes it, I think, especially easy to do that. And I did love something when we we're looking at the six chapters of Ephesians, and we're going to, God willing, get through them all in the next couple of, of months and several podcasts. These first three chapters um, set up kind of a worldview. Before Paul jumps in and tells everybody, do this and this and this and this and this, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you the reason behind it first. Here's the worldview, and it's that identity that we keep coming back to and we're going to keep talking about. And then at the end of the book, he starts to get more practical, if you will. It's like, okay, now that you know who you are, this is how you act. And I, I love that about it because as a, I think as a parent, you know, how often have we heard good parenting advice is you don't just jump in and tell your kid, do this, mm. you within reason, <laughs> give them <laughs> give them kind of the, the thought process behind it. And that's kind of what Paul is doing what, and what the Holy Spirit is doing through Paul is saying, let me remind you of the why before I, we get into the nitty gritty of living it out. And I think that um, that helps it sink in a little bit deeper too. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about this in the past on this podcast too, is we always, everything comes back to identity. We have to start with identity because if we don't know who we are in Christ and the, that why behind it and where we fit into the story, um, then when we try to figure out how to live, right, it just becomes like, we're trying to be good people for moral reasons rather than coming back to identity first. Or we rush ahead and figure out um, what is God calling me to do when we haven't really sat with who does God first and foremost say that I am. And so I love that Paul sits with and starts with this whole piece of identity. Um, so Chris, I'm going to ask you to read, actually, let's start with verse three and let's just read through verse 10 Okay. Um, and start that because that's a pretty big chunk with lots of stuff. Um, so let's start there just to give our readers some, or our listeners some context of what we're talking about. Well, and I appreciate you stopping at verse 10 because if you read verses three through 14, this is the longest sentence in the Bible. It's 202 words in the Greek. And so while in your Bible, you might have periods or verse markers in the original Greek letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians and the people around them, this was just like a 
like a brain dump almost like he, but it's it's kind of fun because and listen to this in it it's like he's so excited and passionate about what he's saying that he doesn't even want to stop to break it up with a, a, a period or something he's just like Wah, it's so good so here we go verses three through ten i'll spare you the last 70 words <laughs> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. (sighs) Everyone get all that. It's like, oh. It's so much. Well, not only is it so much, there's so much deep um, theology, deep thinking, deep emotional things wrapped up in this text. And I know as, as I was trying to sift through it, and I know you too, I thought, golly, uh, number one, we're never going to get through this. And number two, <laughs> trying to figure out you could literally just spend a zillion hours on just one little phrase. So Yeah, and he do doesn't that. waste his word. Like, I love that you said the emotion of it. He uses some really... A lot of verbs, a lot of emotional, rich verbs um, that just—I don't know—that that just deepens it. He's not—he's not filling this up with a lot of fluff. This is just meaty stuff. Yeah, and and this is really this first section is really—it's um, the—it's a praise to God. So uh, most letters start out with Thanksgiving right away, and Paul gets to that in the verses we're not going to cover today. He goes into Thanksgiving, but he starts here with um, just this pouring out of praise for who God is and what he has done since the beginning of time. And I think it's so interesting because if you uh, see verse um, four, uh, when he says, for he chose us before the creation of the world. So he starts way back at creation. And then in verse 10, he talks about how uh, God um, brings all things to unity, all things in heaven and on earth when their times reach the fulfillment. And so in this very first short time. He's reminding us uh, who we are and what God has done from the beginning of time until the time that Christ returns and eventually all things are in fulfillment. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And and notice that almost immediately, he's already talking in the, the we and the us. He's already including these Ephesians. He's not saying, you know, he's blessed me in the heavenly realm, and he chose me and him before the creation of the world. He is right off the bat getting right in there and pulling the Ephesians and other listeners to this letter and eventually readers of this letter and going, us, this is community. This is our collective identity as chosen followers of Jesus. Um, and he just doesn't, he just doesn't waste any time with, with, all right, come on, we're all in. Well, and when you, again, think about the context and what we talked about, about this is written to largely Gentile believers and how radical this would have been for them to hear and for the Jewish brothers and sisters in the church to hear as well, to say, we are all included. It is that we is all of us now, there is room at the table for everyone. And again, that, you know, just because that was part of the gospel uh, that Jesus came to preach and that was part of what was happening at the time, it didn't mean that there weren't people in the church that were like, I'm still not super sure about this, or that the Gentile believers were like, are you sure we're included? Well, and I think we take that for granted. I know I take that for granted 2,000 years later. In fact, I forget that I am one of the Gentiles sometimes. Mm. I'm so... It's permeated so much of my identity since I was a little girl. So I don't even think about the fact that there needed, I mean, I do think about the fact, but that there, there was a barrier to my entry into, you know, relationship with God prior to Jesus and that that's removed. And so again, this probably ruffled some feathers too, Absolutely. because he's, he's also by going back at this grand cosmic scope of going back before the beginning of time and then extending into eternity. He's saying, you 
Ephesians, Gentiles, you were chosen before the creation of the world. And I'm sure there were probably some Jewish believers who were going, um, excuse me, um, we, we were the chosen people, time out. And, and I think that that's just, again, some of that context to remember for them, but then also to look at now when yes. we look out and go, mm, yeah, us, not them, us, not them. It's like, mm, you know what? God calls who he calls and, and, you know, buckle up and get ready to, to roll with that. Yeah. You know, I said, we're, we're doing this study with our uh, women's Bible study here at the church called the well. And after the very first night we, so we're only two weeks in and the very first night we just did a introductory week. And um, I was sitting with some women afterwards and the study that we're doing is by a woman named Heather Holloman. And the study is called included. And, and she's an English professor, but she's also a Bible, uh, Bible teacher. And, and she talks about how the verbs in you, mentioned that, Chris, just the language being so rich in Ephesian and the verbs that remind us who we are throughout. And so included, chosen, strengthened, um, redeemed, like all of these things that remind us who we are. And included is the name of the study because it's it's to your point saying who's included. Uh, we are included and in how often we tell ourselves the lie that, you know, we're not included. You know, again, relevance today when, when we have those moments in our own lives and say, well, God didn't mean me or I'm not good enough or, or my past is, you know, you don't know what I've done. All of those things that we want to uh, tell ourselves sometimes that get in the way from the truth of who we are and the fact that we are included. All that to say, what was interesting in this conversation I had with the, these couple women is, is she said, you know, sometimes I look around the church, like I hear the truth of this. And sometimes I look around the church and, and I say, but we're not really as inclusive as we think that we are. Or there are those people that we're looking out there at and saying, yeah, we're, we include everyone except you. Oh, and maybe not you. And it's, it's, we got to sit with that and we got to wrestle with that. And what, what does this text mean for us today? Yeah. It, and, you know, it's interesting because I think especially for, for I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening, church people, <laughs> We tell ourselves that that narrative and that story that, oh, you know, we are loving and inclusive. But I had a similar experience sitting with some women in my small group who are here in the church who even sometimes within the walls of the church don't feel included. Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily this church, but like just that 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 sen that sense that for whatever reason you don't know enough you don't make enough money you know depending on the group yeah. of like how, where do you fit and i think one of the things that's going to come out of our our look at ephesians is that kind of clarion call that we as the body of believers need to be super aware of our our outreach our are inviting into community. I was kind of giggling because I'm like, your new, you know, one of your new job titles is director of engagement. And part of what you are doing now is making sure that when somebody walks in here, that they know that should they choose to stay, they are included. Mm -hmm. Because we're included in Christ, but guess what? The church is the body of Christ on this earth. And so if we don't act like people are included, who can blame them if they're questioning their identity in Christ? Absolutely. And it's one of those things that's so much easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. You know, because like you said, of course, we're like, of course, we include you, of course. But it's funny now that you mentioned this new role in my job, I, I have fresh eyes to see what it's like for someone to pull into the parking lot of our church, to walk into the front doors, how they are greeted, what what we're saying from the stage, what were all of these things. Um you know, are we actually, what is their experiencing like, experience like, and are we making them uh, not just feel included, but are we actually including them? And it has given me fresh eyes. Yeah. And that's something that's not just, like you said, for the church uh, on a Sunday morning, but how we walk through our lives Absolutely. to have those fresh eyes. Because one of the things I've learned, um, just as I'm learning more about just, uh, you know, this ministry of, of a, really a ministry of, be, of welcoming in the church, um, you know, we all have blind spots. And and a, the funny thing about a blind spot is we don't know our blind right. spots. And so, you know, we we tend to gravitate towards people who look like us, who dress like us, who are in the so, same 
uh, socioeconomic category that are the same color of skin as we are. And we don't always do it on purpose, but it's just who we naturally gravitate towards. It's human nature. But again, looking at this picture of Ephesians, that's not what the gospel is all about. And so this, this deeper still moment, this call to continually open our eyes and say, God, show me who I'm not including. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we, as we will get here in a second to wrestle with this idea of, of being chosen and then dun, 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 predestination. Um, I was know, procrastinating. I, I know. I thought maybe if we race past it, um, although I had, and if you're ready to go there, we will. Let's, if do, not, it. Okay. Let's do it. You know what? Now, now's Rip the, off as good the band-aid. Time as ever. I, this is one of those. Okay. So if, if you're, we just raced ahead here a little bit, but part of this, this section is it's talking about being chosen before the beginning of time. And then, and Paul does it, he goes there, he uses the word predestination, I think three times mm. in, in my translation. Um, and this is a, one of those, those doctrinal concepts that makes some of us, I'm raising my hand here, very, very squirmy um, because I wrestle with it. I go, oh, it's that, you know, to me it looks like the, the justice of God and the love of God are smashing up against mm. each other and who wins? Predestination makes it sound like justice wins and I believe in a God that, you know, says I want no one, you know, all, my will is that all would come to me. So having said that, some people, when they hear predestination, kind of throw up their hands and go, oh, well, it's all decided, it's all done. And I think one of the pieces that I got out of this this time around is that whenever God calls us, and this idea of being chosen and called goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Old Testament, God was choosing groups of people, calling individual people, and never for just no reason, never just so that they could put on a name tag that says... I'm chosen now, you know, Chris Stevenson chosen. (laughs) Never was that why God called or chose somebody. He called, he did it first and foremost for, for his glory to the praise of his glory, but almost without exception, it was to, to be a light unto the nations. When he calls Abraham and promises him all this blessing and says, you know, you're going to have all these children and salt, you know, like grains of sand on the earth for, the others, the other nations will be blessed by you. So when you go back to being chosen, rather than you know slap on your chosen name tag and walk around with your nose in the air, there's great humility that comes with that. Um, there's great mystery that comes with that, but there's call that comes mm-hmm. with that. That as you were saying, each and every day you walk through, I have I live into that mystery and beauty and joy of being chosen, and then go, well, I better keep my eyes open and not miss an opportunity to bring glory to God by being so saturated with him and so transformed by him that people look at me and, and see a reflection of him. And because I, I struggled with that language too, of the, what is the praise of his glory and grace. Am I going to like go stand on the corner of Ogden and York and with, like with a, your chosen t-shirt on? With my chosen t-shirt on? Well, I might, um, probably, but I definitely won't. <laughs> I'll have it under a jacket. I'll be in my car. But what I am meant to do is to be so changed through the course of time and through the Holy Spirit that my my very existence brings him praise and glory because people look at me and they don't see Kristen or Chosen shirt. They see a reflection of a living, loving God. Wow, I didn't mean to like just jump on that soapbox, but no, that was really it's really good. It helps us it gives us a little perspective. It takes a little bit of the um Maybe the scariness out of it, although <laughs> now people think they have to go stand on a street corner. And, I don't know. Uh, but being chosen and being called, pairing those things together and realizing that for all of us, God has, um, you know, God first and foremost calls us to the person of, of Jesus Christ. Like the first thing that he calls us to is a relationship with him. That's our general calling. Um, but then we all have these specific callings that we, that God places on us that we are chosen for, uh, for to point to him, for his, yep. for our, for our, um, 
what do I, what is it for our good and his glory, glory, you know? And so, um, that's a really good picture and a good reminder and kind of where we started also about, you just don't know what, what God has planned for you, but you got to trust and, and take those steps when he calls us to do that. Yeah. I think the other important thing to remember just uh, now, see, you got us off predestination, and I'm willingly oh, go going back. back to I know. it. I know. I, like, I kind of rushed right through that? it. You did. Um, but here, this is this. I, I, I just want to um, say this for just, you know, um, just a little bit of help for those listening, especially because I think this is a hard concept for all of us to kind of grasp and wrestle with. And we're just going to. Uh, you know, we're not going to solve it. Uh, and the reason we're not going to solve it is because theologians throughout time <laughs> have not really been able to agree on what this passage and what those words actually mean. And and the ones who have landed on a position, um, they take that position, but there's a lot of different positions on it. And so I don't want us to get too bogged down on those different theological per- positions that scholars throughout time uh, haven't been able to agree on. But I do uh, want to just say that, you know, there is one view that would say that predestination pred- predestination and being chosen means that before the creation of the world, God decided who would be saved and who wouldn't. And there are people that believe that that comes from um, John Calvin and a Calvinist um, uh, theology. And and for those of you who may or may not know this, I may be going way to, you know, people glazing eyes over. Uh, if you're a five-point Calvinist, you know, there's five uh, core uh, theological beliefs that in Protestantism, if you're a Calvinist, and one of those is uh, about election and predestination. And it says exactly that, that uh, some, that God chose some people because God is God and he can do that before the creation of time as to whether they were going to believe in him or not. And here's what I will say about that. Uh, of people who even ascribe to Calvinist uh, theology, that is the one point. And maybe some of you have heard this, like I'm a three-point Calvinist or I'm a four-point Calvinist. It is the most debated, um, contested point because most people are not comfortable with what that means theologically. And so the flip side of that is God gave his people free will. And so uh, uh, we are free whether we choose him or not. And so those are the kind of two lines of theological thinking. I think where where I choose to land and where I want to point us to, uh, because we're not going to solve it today, we're not going to have that conversation, but what, what we can rest in and what we can be assured in that God chose uh, before the beginning of time to to uh, send his son, Jesus Christ, to step out of heaven into this world and make a plan and a path uh, to redeem and restore the world and allow people to choose him and created a pathway unto salvation. And God chose to love us and God chose to forgive us and he chose to redeem and restore us. And all of that was predestined, if if you will, um, because God chose to step into this world and love us and walk with us. And yeah. so that that part I'm okay with. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm always happy to cry mystery on yeah. on these. And I there were a couple of cool things that I read in regards to that because I start to, as just evidenced, I start to get a little squeamish when I get pinned down. But that, you know, we can admit mystery and you know, God is God and we are not. That is established. And that that mystery should be a cue to start worshiping. Mm. I don't need to fully understand it. I almost don't want to because that's that's why God is God. And here's what I know. And I remember having this discussion uh, at some other point. <laughs> but we take all this too and we filter it through what we know of God and God's character. And in this, just in this passage alone, we know that God is loving. He's sovereign. He's gracious. He's wise. And so however our limited human minds understand this idea of being chosen at the be- before the beginnings of time, we know that however that has played out, it's been done by a father who is loving, mm-hmm. gracious, wise, and kind. And, and again, it kind of gives hope because it means that whoever comes to know Jesus, however you understand that, we're here on purpose. We've been chosen for a purpose and not there's not a randomness to it. And I find that to be really encouraging. 
You are so on point today. I am so glad to have you am here I? today. I don't yeah. know that I am. I feel like I'm bumbling my way along and everything you're saying, I'm like, wow, that's so good. That's so good. It's so right I'm on point. I'm not sure about that, but thank you. No, I, I mean it. I mean it. That was so good. Um, you know, they're going back to the rich language in this section. There is so much rich language. And I'm just wondering, are there some other words that popped out at you that you want to take a minute and, and kind of dig into? Well, I... I again, I'm a, I'm a, we're both words girls. I think we've established that. You've probably, if you've been listening for a while, heard us say that before. I, I love the language. I love the idea of being lavished. Um, and I'm going to pull it out here to make sure I get the exact context for it. We are lavished. Hold on here. Where Verse are, seven and eight. Right? Yeah. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And that word to me is so, um, it's like this this abundance, this extravagance. I, I actually think of that image of the woman um, who broke the the. Uh, ointment and spread it all over Jesus' face. I think the word lavish might have been used in that mm. story as well. And this idea of like, there's more than we, there's more grace than I know what to do with. Um, and I, I had this little, just as I was kind of reflecting on some of these words, I thought, so, all right, so if I have more than I know what to do with, what am I supposed to do with, you know, the extra, so to speak? Heaven knows I need all the grace <laughs> that God wants to lavish on me. So there probably isn't any extra, but because he is, um, because he is, infinitely full of grace when he lavishes on it there is no end to it and so i kind of thought i'm like you know if, if i feel like there's an excess of his grace i'm pretty sure i'm supposed to overflow with that grace onto other people mm-hmm. and that's part of that being saturated and it's funny for those of you that are um are doing the the study with the well community <laughs> she has kind of a funny example she likes the word lavish too and she's like yes i think of it whenever i put hand cream on at night and I lavish hand cream on my hands. <laughs> I got a little uncomfortable there. But then I started to think, and it's so ridiculous, but this is why you invite me back. Um, if you've ever like want to put sunscreen on, you get too much sunscreen on your hands, you like have way too much. And you have a, if you're a, a mom or a parent or a big sister or a babysitter and you have a kid with you and you're like, oh, I have way too much. And you start to rub it on the shoulders of the, the little one next to you to protect them. It's like that overflow. And it's such an imperfect analogy, but we're meant to do something with those abundant riches that God pours out on us. They're meant to, I think that they're meant to overflow. He lavished on us. Let's do our very best to lavish on others with that grace that we've been given. Yeah. And I think it goes back again to this identity. When we understand the riches of God's grace for each one of us, what he went through again to redeem and restore us, not just one time, not just in a salvation moment, but what he does ongoing in our lives to meet us in those places that we don't deserve to uh, provide for us, to shelter us, to comfort us, to um, forgive us, to redeem and restore us, all of those things. When we understand that the grace with which we have been given, I mean, I don't think we can lavish other people until we truly understand that. And then, like you said, not just when we do understand it, our response has to be to extend it. It's why we can include those people who, you know, are really hard for us to include because all of a sudden we understand we have been lavished with God's grace. And the only response then is to look at other people and lavish them and look at them as chosen, look at them as included, all of those things. Because they are included in the family of yeah. God. Well, and I think, it, and understanding that that character of God, you know, God's grace, like everything else about Him, is boundless. So He can't run out there. And again, there's like, there's no, ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, no. <laughs> there's no sin too great that His yeah. grace doesn't cover it. Amen. And there's not, we don't have to be stingy with it. For that very reason, it's not like God has this like this little allotment of grace. He's like, mm, this is all I've got for you today. So I need it all and I better not share it. He is, he's limitless. And that's one of those things when we dig into the character of God, it, I think it enriches our understanding of it. Yeah, absolutely. And look at that. We're only on the word lavish. 
<laughs> and we have about five minutes left. So what other what other words uh, stood out to you or any other uh, concepts from this this uh, these gosh like 10 little verses there's just uh, there's so much yeah 10 we didn't even get to 14 or whatever 11 through 14 the other thing I think that did strike me throughout this and I won't say much about it but it's because it's totally different but it's the way that the, the trinity is woven through this yes is yes. so cool I mean that we could do a whole nother podcast on that because the trinity is another one of those to me at least just huge mysteries and it's so cool as you as you walk through this we hear about God the Father, you know, kind of choosing us. And then through Jesus coming to like facilitate that redemption. And then the stuff about the Holy Spirit yes, being the seal. seal. And oh, that's just so good. But it's kind of cool to think that like it's a mystery for us. And again, these are Ephesians who are like, they're just learning to understand and wrestle with this this doctrine of the Trinity. And I think actually this is probably one of the best understandings. I've ever gotten of it just sitting in these couple of sentences and again he he chooses us to be part of community and then he shows us kind of what community looks like in the very concept of the trinity yes but, oh. I'm so glad you brought that up because it was also very for and you and I did not talk about Mm-mm. this but very forefront of my mind I took a systematic theology class I'm in seminary right now I took it this fall and we spent probably a full month on the Trinity. And what was interesting is that uh, the early church fathers, um, you know, I mean, from the time of the disciples, and you see it all through the scripture, but then the early church um, fathers, the debates that the Trinity created uh, in the early church and how it would have been so much easier for them to just like drop drop the theology of the Trinity, yeah. but they were so insistent on it. And you start to see that our understanding of the Trinity, how core that is to what we believe about who God is and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is and what they do. Because so often we think, oh, it's God the Father. And then, oh, there's Jesus. Or maybe it's God and Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit is just kind of an afterthought. But, but when you start to pay attention to stuff like that in the scripture, all of a sudden you see the three in one really working together and that they're they're equal yeah, in, so cool. in the redemption of the world. It's it's just really amazing. So well well done. Well. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed that you pulled that. I couldn't up. leave that one. Couldn't leave that one alone. Uh, one last thought here that I want to throw in, and then we'll wrap up our time. But I think the other thing that we just need to keep in mind is that the Book of Ephesians is really written to um, build up the church as a whole. And you've already mentioned community, but I think we need to caution ourselves because it's so um, easy for us to, you know, we live in a Western, (laughs) individualized, consumeristic culture. And it's so easy for us to read these verbs, to read these truths and to say, God means this for me. I am chosen. I am included. I am lavished with grace. And those are all true things. But when you think about this, this letter being written to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church, and and the fact that the church is God's A plan to carry out his mission on this earth, we also have to remember that not only does this apply to all of us as individuals, but the church is chosen, the church is called, the church is, is um, all of these things too. And, and, and we as a community are those together. And there is something more powerful about us being in those together, being in Christ that we see repeated uh, throughout this letter than just us being little individuals who stand next to each other on a worship Sunday morning um, rather than, you know, it's really easy for us to miss that he's talking to the church as a whole. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's, again, that's one of the pieces I think it's just going to really really be convicting for us in this. The idea that that individual idea was pretty foreign concept um, to this early people. I mean, you you had to have community to survive. We seem to think we can um, we can kind of make it on our own in this Western culture. I think that statistics about mental health and loneliness would show us otherwise. And again, God in his great mercy and his perfect plan called us to community. And I love that, again, Ephesians is a book about how do you do that. First of all, I'm going to remind you who you are in Christ as the body of Christ, as the church of Christ. And then we're going to get to the end. He's going to say, and now I'm going to tell you how to actually make that work yeah. with God's wisdom. And so it's good. So good. I read this quote from Rachel Hall Evans, her book, Searching for Sunday. I just read this last week. 
And she says this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's a bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes, and guess what, my friends? She didn't say that, I said this. Guess what? There's always room for more. And that is the picture of being included, of being chosen, of being lavish with God's grace, in community with another. There's always room for more. So, Chris, golly, that was... So much more we could have said. We so probably said too much about so many things. But uh, any last comment before I take us out for the day? You know, I am just grateful that we get to do this um, together. I, I was listening to a podcast on Ephesians um, that she reads Truth did, and Jenny Allen said something to the effect of when we have these conversations, again, we're not meant to have them in isolation. We're not to, meant to figure out the doctrine of predestination all on our own. <laughs> we're meant to wrestle with this in community, um, to understand who we are in community. And so I'm so grateful to get to do that with you, to get to do that with a group of women on Tuesday mornings and with other people in my life. So thank you for the opportunity to wrestle through it with you today. Well, thank you for wrestling through it with us. We are uh, so glad that you chose to join us. So thanks for being here today, Chris. Well, friends, as always, no matter where you find yourself on your journey, I hope God has met you exactly where you're at today and given you exactly what you need, that you found a few nuggets of truth today about His grace and His love and His boundless riches that He has so lavishly poured out on you for no other reason, for no other reason than because He chose you before the foundation of the world to be included in His family, to have a seat at the table no matter what has happened in your past, what is going on in your present, or what lies ahead. God is holding you tight because He is good, and as Paul reminds us, you belong. So be sure to walk in that truth today. If you have enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it on social media, pass it along to a friend, or better yet, invite some friends to join you in a conversation. Don't do this alone as we study the book of Ephesians together. If you are looking to jump into a small group, visit us at ChristChurchWomen.us or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at ChristChurchWomen. Let us know what you're interested in and let us help connect you with some other women that can uh, journey along with you as we do this together. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here in two weeks as my friend Lisa Garvin joins us to talk about Ephesians chapter two. Uh, But go ahead and read through all of Ephesians one. I know that we didn't cover it today, but be sure to read it and let God uh, just do what he does and let him transform your soul through his word. So have a great day. Um, Don't forget, my friends, don't forget as you go to pay attention to how God might be calling you today to go deeper still. We'll see you back here in a couple weeks. Oh, 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 oh,